episode 48. Hello. This is Matt and Andrew. I thought your, your um, intro is usually longer than that. Uh, we're, today we're doing The Manitou. Yes, we are doing The Manitou. The Manitou is a 1978 uh, horror film mm-hmm. directed by William Girdler. It stars Tony Curtis, Michael Ansara, Susan Strasberg. It was based on a novel by Graham Masterson. Uh, I actually, uh, when I saw this, it was being released, but re-released by Shout Factory. I um, had already kind of wanted to see it, or I didn't realize it. Actually, I didn't realize it existed, but last year I read a book called uh, Paperbacks from Hell, which is a uh, funny book about the horror paperback boom that started in the late 60s. And The Manitou was one of the... um, The flagship... It was it was a big success, and it was actually in a, in a so the book was grouped into like subsections of different like little genre bubbles. That's how it kind of worked. There'd yeah. be like one book, and then like eighty five copycats. Yeah. And this book was actually I think the one that was referenced as starting the uh, Native American themed horror. Okay. Boom. It was written by a Scottish man. Right. But you know, so and Graham Masterson went on to write up like a bunch of different horror horror books. He was a kind of a prolific. Well, horror know, paperback guy. I know a lot of people in the genre paperback is very prolific. Mm, I suppose so. But yeah, he was. It seems like a real, not too throw shade, but it seems a very quantity over quality. I mean, I don't know. Field. Like one of the biggest horror paperbacks of all time was um, Thomas Harris's uh, Silence of the Lambs or whatever, or Red Dragon. Right. And that. Um, but are those books any good? Well, I don't know. I, let's speak into the quality of them, just to answer right. your to, to to what you were saying before. Like I've only written like four books over forty five years, okay. or so right. There's definitely plenty of exceptions there. Yeah, I haven't read them. I know people who like them. I always associate genre, not necessarily even horror, but you know, just genre fiction would just be like very prolific writers. Mm. I doubt that's true. So, Andrew, would you like to tell us what the Manitou is about, how it works, and what it does? <laughs> Manitou, who, what, where, why, and when? That's what we're asking for. How Manitou? Why Manitou? <laughs> great, <laughs> when Manitou? Great These are all really great questions. Okay, so. Mm. The Manitou starts with a woman named Karen, who's got a growth on the back of her neck. They think it's a tumor, but it's not a tumor. Then they go, fetus? Because the guy has a picture of fetus. Mm-hmm. And his hotel, and his doctor's office, because he's a doctor. And what is could be the most scientific diagnosis I've ever yes. seen in my life. He's like, a, she said it's moving. He's like, you know what else moves? A fetus. <laughs> anyway, so then there's another guy named Harry, because Harry's name Tara's his game, because he's playing. He's a tarot magician. He's got a good mustache and a coat. So as he's listening to upbeat funk music, he gets a call from Karen, who they were like in a relationship in the past. Just so we know we have like a relationship to have in the movie, mm-hmm, right? It's important. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So they go around San Francisco, do a tour, talk about things and whatever. And then she's back in the hospital because it's getting bigger and they need to perform on it. And then they're like, this is weird. And then they go visit. He goes to visit one of the other mystic friends. Who are, that was a pirate because they lived in like, <laughs> like a... Like a oh, yeah. They lived in like a... A shipyard. Yeah. A maritime-themed occult shop. Yeah. So they... <laughs> he goes and visits his friend, Mr. Bad Actor. Professional the, actor Hugh Cochran. Professional Hugh Cochran. Cochran. Well, I actually would say that uh, it doesn't appear like the man who played MacArthur has a Wikipedia entry. Or does he have, does he have an IMDb entry? That's um, He must, though, right? Because he was in this movie. Yes, but does it extend beyond this movie? Or does it extend beyond this movie in, the, in a category actor? Actor, the Manitou. <laughs> No, he was in. Um, oh, eighty other entries. Oh, they're all technical stage. They're all technical entries. He's got seventeen actor credits, two producer credits. Oh, okay. Was this his first film? His first film was in nineteen fifty-three, Half a Hero. Excuse me. He was a he was a child back then, clearly. Uh, fifty-three in nineteen seventy-eight. The Manitou. So it was like twenty years earlier. He was born in forty-seven. So yeah, he was six years old. Okay. Yeah. So he was a child actor. He just kept working. <laughs> anyway. Although he doesn't have any credits during the 1960s. So that's the mystery of Hugh Cochran. <laughs> mystery solved. Cor- Corcoran. Corcoran. Sorry. Anyway. Right, and Mrs. White Lady in very not white lady makeup. 
Uh, yep. Yeah, and then so anyway, they Stel- that's Stella Stevens. Stella Stevens, yeah. Uh, so you then they go visit. Who was it? That was Karen's mother because they went to her house and she joined in on their like seance. Was it? I wasn't clear on who that was. I'm assuming that she I was. I was out of the friend mother because they were like, we need to go to where she lives. She lives in her aunt. Oh, so that's her aunt. Yes. So then they do that, and then this dude comes out of the middle of their table, which was probably like a spooky tar table. Like, was that a special made table for that? Did the movie have it made? Probably. I mean, was that a special seance table? Was that supposed to be a normal table that he was coming out of? Uh, you know, I don't uh, actually... Rem- the table didn't strike out to me as crazily uh, as crazy or anything, so... Anyway, so that happened. The dude <laughs> came out, and he was like, I'm scared. Oh, wait, before that, there was also a woman who came to the tower man's house. Harry's house it is. Yeah, tarot. This is a game. This is a and, game. And she got possessed, and then she threw herself down the stairs, breaking every like thing on the banister, every little peg. And I'm assuming she died. It's unclear. We never told. Doesn't matter. Irrelevant. <laughs> but she yelled about mana a bunch. Mana too. No, no, she, she was saying mana. Oh, mana burn. Mana burn. She's like mana. For... Forgot to spend that spend that mana before moving to her. Uh, oh, have you heard? Combat step. Uh, quick, <laughs> quick sidebar, but um. We'll get back to our description in a little bit. Please check out billionhorror.com for our Mantu match together and crossover called Mana Screw. Uh-huh. It's a t-shirt with Mantu who's very upset because you can see him and you can see in front of him he's only got one island and a handful of cards. He's sad. He's so sad. And it says Mana Screw in the Mana font. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so the seance, bad stuff happens and they go back to the hospital and then the guy tries to cut the man- tries to cut the tumor out but he cuts his hand Maybe that happens earlier, because then later they try and laser it out, but then they get lasered. No, because then by then he's had John, right? Mm. Nope, okay, so... Was John in that part? I don't actually <laughs> no, know. No. Anyway, so, no, I got it. I'm back I'm back in the... <laughs> I, I, the train was, like, careening off in the ocean, but I found it. I put it back on the rails, and we're yep. ready to go forward again. So, what happens is they have the seance, and they start reading books, just, you know, books about things... And then Mr. Actor, is re- as he reads the script out of his book, yeah. <laughs> the script says that there's a doctor, or like like an anthropologist, who studies Native American history, and then, because they find something about the Manitou that he knows about, so they go to visit him. So they go to Burgess Meredith's house. Mm-hmm. And there's a there's a brief, glorious ten minutes in Burgess Meredith's on screen, and there's like, He's acting. a performance happening? Yes. I mean, that's not to put down uh, professional actor Tony Curtis, but... Uh, sure, sure. But Tony Curtis is like camp acting. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, he's, he's not he's, Burgess Meredith. He's just like hamming it up. Yeah. But like in a different way. A less, less entertaining way. Right, Burgess Meredith feels like he's, in like, a, like he's acted before and he's in a movie. Yeah, Burgess Meredith is good. <laughs> he's a good actor. And it's funny because he gets like... He's fun to watch. He gets interrupted by like Henry Cochran or whatever his name <laughs> is. Like professional actor Henry Cochran. MacArthur. MacArthur. And he's, and he's like, what is this, like... Doofus doing. You get the harshest whiplash possible about a man who seems like he's realized who's his centric kind of standoffish character is. But this guy's like, but doctor, what about the Manitou? <laughs> he sounds like a guy in his 70s who doesn't know how to act. Like, there's a very specific tone to a guy in his 70s who's not acting well. And that's what MacArthur sounds like. I don't know how to describe it other than that. Yeah, he. I mean, it, I think... I think in every scene he's reading something. Yes. And my assumption is that he needed to have his lines. I mean, he's, I mean, it sounds like he's reading. Yeah. I mean, once he's got a comic book, once he's got a book. Yeah. Regardless, it seems like he's just reading his lines out of those. He probably is. So they probably just wrote his lines down for him. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if he was. Anyway, so they, there's talk about medicine men and like you know because Kamakis. Miss Miska. Miskamakis. Miskamakis is. An ancient resurrected medicine man has been reincarnated countless times, but any, at any point he can join the great Manitou, or there was another word they used for it. Manitou being spirit, of course, the interactive spirit. Mm-hmm. And then, but in order to fight him, they have to find another medicine man. So they go to, so then he goes to presumably South Dakota, or I think, I'm pretty sure it's Missouri. It's sort of irrelevant, but yeah. Even though, just, even though he meets a South Dakota Indian with a bag of tricks. A very, a very non-white in South Dakota Indian with a bag of tricks, I might say. Yep, uh, Lebanese <laughs> actor Michael Ansara. Yes. Playing John Singing Rock in this movie. Yes, so they find him and he recruits him with $100,000. $100, Donation to the Native American yes. Education Fund. And a little bit of tobacco. 
which to me you know strikes me as insensitive culturally insensitive so yeah yes yeah, so that was the only part so far in this film yeah I mean other, the movie's got a pretty sterling like I think you could use this as a sort of cultural sensitivity training yeah yeah but um the tobacco thing I'm not sure about that that's, that's just pushing it over the edge yeah anyway so they come back they draw a circle around Kamak Miss Kamakis and Karen and Karen but they missed the wall which I thought you know a little weird it didn't come into play though didn't come into play because I guess spirits can't go through you know it's like a spirit circle all he didn't know the wall manitou yeah oh, oh you're right everything has manitou by the way it's worth noting is it? yeah <laughs> go on <laughs> so they draw that then they do some stuff you know there's some mysticism going on then a small buff dude is born out of the back of Karen's back this is Miss Kamakis Mm-hmm. And then he just sits there standing around a while. And then they kill like an orderly or a nurse. Mm-hmm. And then another one, they drop another one there and he watches. Then they're almost going to kill him too. But then they leave. And then a lizard spirit bites one of the doctor's hands. Yeah, bad lizard. So they go back to their office. Yep. And then they all leave but then they come back up and it's frozen solid. And the nurse is frozen solid and then her head falls off. And then they throw a typewriter at him. Yep. But since he doesn't know the typewriter man too, he gets skewed, prepared Confused and scared, and it takes him longer to blow it up. <laughs> almost, it almost hits him. Yeah, it almost hits him. Oh, that's because Mr. Mackey's out of his out of his circle, obviously. Yeah. So yeah, he, ter- he parted the. He parted sand. the circus. Yeah. The circle. So then they go back to the office and it shakes a lot, and then they're like, you know what? He, he doesn't know computer man too. So they went to go some of the. So like, let's go back up and turn all the computers and we'll shoot computer computer man too at him. So they turn all the computers, go back up there, and he's like. And John's like, ah, I can't do it. It's all white man medicine. So then Tony Curtis steps in. He's like, hey, you buddy, knock it off. I don't like your, I don't like the cut of your jib. And it sounds like I'm being nonsense, but I'm basically paraphrasing what he said. <laughs> he said, I've had enough of you. I've had and enough then, of you. Then some other shit. Like, I've had enough of you, buddy. You need to go back to your hole, buddy. Now keep in mind, this is Miss Gamakas, who we've previously learned is uh, capable um, of moving mountains. Yes. And he just needed a stern talking to yeah, from just, Tony Curtis. Yeah, he just needed a stern pointing in his place. <laughs> yeah. Well, not only that, but he also needed... So then they start funneling the uh, the computer man to into Karen. Well, it just starts happening. It's not yeah. clear if anyone's doing that. Are you sure? Are you sure Tony Curtis didn't do that? Uh, Harry didn't use his white medicine? <laughs> Maybe. Just uh, <laughs> in the circle right there. And then she starts shooting topless layers and there's a post of Oh, also, Ms. Kamakis was summoning the devil. The great old one. Referred to as the great old one? Yeah. And then she starts shooting lasers at him. They're all in the starry void at this point, of course. Instead of, a, instead of a hospital room. And then she starts shooting lasers until she blows up the great old one. And then she's all right and everything's better. Just and, like that. And John goes home with two packs of tobacco. To go in his bag of tricks? Yeah, he is a, um, a Septicone in his bag of tricks. And that's the film one, though. Yeah, just that that, that uh, brief, sensible, sensible dis- description. Now it may sound like Andrew's just making gibberish up, <laughs> but what actually was he was doing if you're laying the plot of the film. A couple of points were out of order, but that's just because like the same thing happened, but you know, like the same a very similar event happened. And I forgot which order in which those similar events happened. Yeah, this movie was. Uh, we're back on. We might say we're back on our bullshit. Yeah, this is this is sort of a real. This is a real humdinger. <laughs> um, I don't think it was. I mean, let's be clear. This movie is bad. Like I think it mo- it it violates most rules of uh, like storytelling and good filmmaking. I don't. Say, I you know I think it went by pretty quick, yeah. and it was you know it was almost two hours, and it, I think it went by at a good pace, yeah, and yeah. it was pretty entertaining. Yes, yeah, so that's the thing. Like. There's a good movies are good, bad movies are good, mediocre movies are the pits of hell. Well, there's some. I, I don't. Yeah, I don't know if I buy that. I think there's some bad movies that are quite bad. Okay, yeah, but you, but you know what I mean. Yeah, but I think there's like a there's like a movie that's wa- like watchably bad. Yes. Or like it's it's bad, but there's enough stuff that's like fun. Yeah. Or interesting, or whatever the fuck is going on here. Right. I mean. The big, I think the biggest problems with this movie is, well, there's a lot of problems with this movie. One thing, the script is just nonsense. I think that the all the, like the sort of casual racism of the high concept to the execution 
also sort of grates up would might grate on like a modern person watching it. Yeah. Um I'm all used to the term Indian. Yeah, you know, Which, I think that's is to some like just using the term Indian would probably swallow, but it sort of hinges on a bunch of stereotypes. Yes, yes. Like the whole plot and everything. Maybe that's just like as even from a young age, that always irked me. I'm like, no, no. There, there's a place called India. That is where Indians come from. Yeah, but I mean, calling them Native Americans, I think... I, You know, I don't know. I would have to talk to an actual Native American to sure. get the thing, but I think American Indian or Native American either are both like equally sort of like arbitrary to them. To, would, historically speaking, anyway, they're kind of arbitrary. So I don't know if, it, I don't know if either of them... I think I've heard... Um, Native Americans also call themselves American Indians. I don't know. That's just like I said. That's a tiny thing but that I, yeah. always irks me because it just in my mind it, was, it just creates confusion. Yeah. The uh, yeah. I mean, it's just it's just it's just it's, it's just sloppy language. It is sloppy language. It's based on sort of a I guess you call it a racist misunderstanding or sure like just if they went to across the ocean and found brown people yeah. they're like oh Indians yeah we must be Indians <laughs> yeah. Um, so Burgess Meredith, the penguin, as we all know, penguin. Um, he was uh, in like five Twilight Zones. Uh, yeah. But anyway, the point is, um, we you said oh, how was I get here, and I just made some joke about uh, Ben wants to tip off Mister Freeze. Mm-hmm. Michael and Sarah in Batman the Animated Series plays Mister Freeze. He does. Yes. That's wild. Yeah. Did not know that. But when I was looking stuff up, huh? In between. That's kind of cool. I did. I mean, that's one of the best uh, Batman the animated series characters. Well, it's like a classic case of like completely reinventing a character on the ground up. Yeah, it was. Well, they made it the character interesting instead of being a ice gun themed supervillain. <laughs> they made an ice gun themed supervillain with pathos. Ah, yes, with pathos. He's in the the now Mister Freeze is in the um the sixty six and uh, okay. It's uh he's basically just the Joker with a cold gun. Because they're all basically just the Joker with a different uh, thing, and the Joker isn't isn't like a psychotic clown; he's just a, a goofy, a goofy guy with a pancake the, makeup over his mustache. Yeah, he likes to pull boners. <laughs> Joker's pull boners like the best, and we all know that. That isn't Batman make a boner or whatever. No, the Joker makes a boner because he's like, I'll show them my boner. Oh right, <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's a good. That's that's yeah. Does. Plenty of context for that. <laughs> there is. He's you saw in a newspaper. This is Batman foils Joker's burner. Right, I need you to find me that panel and put it somewhere that I can put it up because I don't want to have to Google it. <laughs> Joker burner. <laughs> then I need to put it on the show notes. Okay. <laughs> so, so people understand. Know what... People know what you're talking about. Um, this was I saying the like so the movie's fairly enjoyable. Yeah. It's not a good movie, but I think it's if you're a person who might watch sort of a like incoherent series of. Like scenes that amount to a horror film, sound and sound and pictures. This might be worth your time. Uh, I think we noted that it ha- even though it has like a 40, 30 or forty something on Rotten Tomatoes, uh, among people who might expect what they're getting on yeah. Screen Factory, it's got like a four point four out of five. Yeah, they know. Yeah, exactly. They expect the anticipated audience gets what they're getting out of it. Mm. I have to say, I sort of thought the concept, the high concept, was kind of cool. The the Viscomachus. Being born out of a woman's back. That, like, this idea of, like, an old um, sh- shaman, I guess. Medicine man is the term. Me- yeah, medicine man, like, summoning uh, a great old one. And um, I didn't realize, but Miskamakis is actually um, from uh, an August Durleth story, The Lurker at the Threshold. August Durleth is um, sort of the, make a long story short he's the man who sort of preserved Lovecraft's work kept publishing it after he died okay and he's I mean he he famously sort of like took the Lovecraftian stories and like codified them into a mythos uh. and he also so he was responsible for like the sort of dumbifying of the of the Cthulhu mythos oh. into like good versus evil and like all that which is you know, I think the contribution to the whole Lovecraft thing is is sort of debatable because of that. Because he sort of like definitely took what was 
sort of an abstract series of right. random things and, and like turned to a franchise. Turned it. I mean, he didn't make. He didn't turn into. He made like he he personally didn't get franchise dollars out of it, but like he but he made it into like oh like there's bad ones and there's good ones. They fight each other. They all have names. They act human. Right, they have human mean, motivations. He made the Wikipedia entries for it. Yeah, he he just sort of like decided that you know. But anyway, in. His book, The Lurk of the Threshold, Miskamakis is an ancient wonder worker of the Wampanoag tribe. Um, oh, hometown boys. Yeah, they're they're local to us, the Wampanoag. Um, so, I don't know, in the, in the book, of course, they're way out west. Oh, yes, of course. But it's because <laughs> a Scottish man wrote the book. A Scottish man who was not too uh, preoccupied with research, I guess. Sure. But yeah, so there's a Lovecraft connection there. And also, uh, just calling the Great Devourer... Uh, Ms. Kamakas calls forth this ancient spirit who's like alternately referred to as the Native American equivalent of the devil as the Great Old One and the De- Great Devourer. Great Old One, of course, is a Lovecraft term as well. It's just the concept of uh, a being beyond everything. That too. And also the the a lot of the Ms. Kamakas stuff, it seemed to me like this movie had like some overlap with the Lovecraft stuff. And I think probably comes from Graham Masterson, the novelist, probably having read Lovecraft, read Lovecraft, or at least August or Leth. Yeah, or yeah, whatever it's derivative. Yeah, I mean he has to have he did probably did not probably accidentally also come up with the name is Kamakis. Yeah, that's that's absolutely true. Yeah, it was not there. There is some there are cases of conversion design, but that was not one of them. No, I would say not. So I mean, you know, that's kind of cool. Yeah, I'm a I'm a Lovecraft guy. Somewhat, <laughs> give or take. Yeah, you know, give or take the man. Or his we we sort of say it, we sort of say it quiet, more quietly than we used to, I think. But uh, still, well, know. I mean, that's that's a complicated thing. Is like when an author is long dead, and it can no longer profit from their work if they're problematic. Yeah, can you as long as you say, well, no, the author was, you know, has issues. Can you still champion their work? Yeah, I wouldn't say I champion his work. Well, you know what I mean? You yeah. know what I mean? But yeah, I, I've read. I have like, you know. Annotate Lovecrafts and all. I that think stuff. about that sort of thing. Like, did it become more? Did it become less objectionable to like someone's work when they can no longer directly profit from it? Yeah, I mean, and you make sure that their legacy is known is like marred. But that's a whole longer complicated. It's a long conversation. I think it's also more complicated with Lovecraft too, because you sort of wonder how problematic some of his work is. Sure. You view it through the lens of like a racist or this. Like, yeah. some of the stuff can take on a different reading, I guess. Right. Uh, you know, I and I've. I sort of lean towards the conservative interpretation that a lot of that stuff is probably the racism of the of the work is overblown. Clearly, the man himself is extremely racist, yeah. and his letters and stuff are very racist. <laughs> but like, I sort of wonder how like you they see a lot of readings where like the fishmen are supposed to stand in for like Portuguese people or whatever, and it's like I'm not sure if that's really the case. It doesn't really read that way to me, right? Or you, if that, but it's also possible that we're not the intent, obviously, of the fishman. The ideology that would write that sort of thing still exists within the man who wrote it, so you can see little bits of it. Whether yeah, that absolutely. Intentional or not, absolutely. Well, let's. It, well, I mean, it's sort of relevant because this work is, I guess, I, I know I'm not crazy about the term, but problematic in its own way. Yeah, well, it's it's a clean it's a clean cut term. And yeah, that it, means a certain thing, and it's, it's appropriate. It's simple, effective, and it's hard. You know, it works until whatever, until whatever the new term comes out. Mm-hmm. And we're saying is like, Lovecraft is canceled. Yeah, I mean, I'm sh- if they could, if people could, if we, the, if we as a culture could cancel Lovecraft, I'm sure we would. But there's just, the modern violence. There's just not enough. Like, I think it's probably him being having been dead for it 60, helps. 70 years. Like, no one's no one cares. There's, there's, there's people care, but but I mean, like, not enough to not enough to cancel him. I guess no, no, because you can just. It's seeped in, like, he's culturally... Like, yeah. just the concept of his weird fiction is seeped into the culture. So yeah, I mean, it, yeah, undoubtedly. He's had such, a, had such a profound influence on horror since 1925 or whatever that... It's just a matter of reminding people around you, oh, you also love Kraft as a giant racist. Don't yeah, you just have to keep that in mind. And maybe, like, he doesn't have to be on the statues, you know? Like, right, yeah. Like, yeah, award, like... Yes, yes. <laughs> maybe give someone a word that doesn't have the phrase with stat- racist on it. Yeah, I mean, that, you know, it's, we don't have to just pretend he didn't exist, but we can, yeah. we can also keep it, like... But anyway, yeah, yeah, yes. To um, to diverge into like a lighter subject, I'll say let's um, crack. Let's do our let's go on a journey. You want to go on a journey with me? 
no, not at all. <laughs> no, thank you. We're going to go deep into the horrible desert, into the mummy's tomb, see what he's got for us this week. Okay, what's the mummy have? Let me just uh, move over this casket. Okay, I'm dubbing in some uh, mummy sounds. Uh, let me. Oh, she's clutching a scroll. Let me take out this scroll real quick. Let me undo this scroll. Oh, oh Matthew, it's. I, let me ask you a question. You like horror stuff, right? Yeah, it's okay. But you want to buy you want to buy things to show you enjoy horror, right? But you're sick of the usual things, right? You know, like your Donna Dead t-shirts. Yep, I'm sick of all my Donna Dead t-shirts. <laughs> Literally, I throw up all over the place every time I see one. Your all your all your Friday the Thirteenth wall scrolls. Your my elaborate uh, Freddy Krueger cosplay. Yes, your Valorian her Week of Wonders Funko Pops. Mm-hmm. Well, let me tell you something. Delivered from. My friends and yours at New Modern Horrors, or of new, purveyors of New Modern Horrors, that is, mm-hmm. they um, have come up with the Scare Package. Now, you're, you're probably wondering, Matt, Andrew, what is the Scare Package? I am. I'm completely confused. <laughs> so, the Scare Package is, you know how there are monthly delivery boxes we all have right nowadays for everything we have, from our, from our food to our snacks to the clothes we wear on our back. Everything is delivered to us once a month. We don't think about it. And it's given to us in portions that are probably too small than what we're paying for them. I don't, uh... Here, go on. Go on. Yeah. <laughs> sure. <laughs> so what if you could have such a treat for horror? I sort of wonder what it would even look like. That's the beauty. So what you do is when you, you go to um, scarepackage.com, sign up, and then you will be assigned, after, you, after a quick survey, you will be assigned a special scare consultant who will guide you through and determine what your ideal scare package is. And then once a month, a package will be delivered, custom made for you to terrify only you. I know, I know what you're thinking. Hey, I'm, I, uh, I'm a guy who doesn't like getting scared. I don't have very many fears. That's what I told them. I'm like, I'm not too scared of things. Conceptually, I don't have what you would classify as fears. So what? So they, they sent me a sample based on that. So I opened it, and you know, let me just tell you the packaging, very well done, beautiful. It's a nice graveyard gray. You know, it's got a little letter print on, it, like it wore a gravestone. Uh huh. And I opened it up, and what do I get? A jar of spiders. And I thought, hey, is this? What is this? Is this scare package? Is this? What is this exactly? What kind of spiders are these? So I check my invoice and you know what and it says matter of fact 15 exotic poisonous spiders and let me tell you buddy there were 13 spiders in that jar did you eat them no no i know what you're wondering did they miscount uh, i'm wondering did you eat them i did not eat them <laughs> did they miscount are there two other spiders somewhere in my house did they escape almost certainly you know i don't know because i haven't been in my house for the last five weeks I have opened all the windows, all the doors. I'm considering bringing it down. But my car, I'm not so used to, but I don't want to go to my house. But those spiders might be in there. I'm checking out the lifespan of spiders. And you know spiders can have babies? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they do, in fact, reproduce. So, you know. They're just dropping from space one at a time. And they let two of them out. Did they do that on purpose? So, what I'm saying is, Scare Package is effective. Now, do I think they unleash two poisonous spiders somewhere in my house? Unlikely. I think it's the existential dread that's working. But you know what? Can't take the chance. Do you think maybe that the sh- spiders are waiting for you to get in the shower? That's entirely possible. <laughs> but joke's on them. I have a shower in five weeks. <laughs> so what are you- I guess there's going to be keep... They're gonna, there's going to be generations that will rise and fall in the bathroom. <laughs> Matthew, please let me finish the call to action. <laughs> okay. get through this I don't know what the fuck. Okay. <laughs> so far, the call to action appears to be to a, a website that doesn't exist. <laughs> the domain name is not for sale. Already checked while you're talking. Or is it all part of the mystique? So, <clears throat> so whether your fear is creepy crawlies, a sense of the unknown, or a suspiciously labeled can of peanut brittle, Scare Package is there for you. Offer code GOLDENAGE. So that's scarepackage.com, offer code GOLDENAGE for $20 off your very first Scare Package. Anyway. So back to the Manitou. Uh, yeah. So that's that was it. That was our advertiser. Yeah. It's important to get in. That, now let me just uh, put the mummy's, close the mummy's tomb back up. 
Let's get out of here. Mm-hmm. We're back into the back into the light of the Manitou. So yeah, um, yeah. So like I said, not a bad movie. Uh, no, it's got it's got a, a some actors in it. It does have some actors. <laughs> yes, it has it has some actors, some capital A actors in it, some lowercase A actors in it. I mean, there's there's some famous actors. Tony Curtis, Tony Tony Curtis is a fairly famous actor, right? I mean, I don't know that I've seen anything else with him in it. Or you've seen a lot of things with him in it, one of the two. But um, not 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 overwhelmingly impressed with his performance here. No, he's just real. He mailed it in. He didn't even phone it in. He mailed it in, I think. And there was some other performances in it, too. Oh, MacArthur. Yeah. Um, I would say no one was great. Hey, hey. Acting wasn't, a, wasn't the high. I well, mean, Burgess. Burgess was good. Burgess was very watchable. Yeah. Burgess was... He, I mean, he's always great. But he was like terror. He was actually, I think, too good for this movie. Yeah, I mean, his the, the thing the problem with his performance is that it seemed like it was in a, from a different movie. That exactly, was that's what I mean. Like, like he did his performance didn't match the same level as the other ones, and it's not like he was over the top because he wasn't over the top. No, no, but he was like he's like I said, he was like he had his actor, like he had his character, he knew what his character yeah. was, and he was like clearly like he had a very natural way of delivering his lines. Mm-hmm. Very, like it all felt, especially since this is like. When Burgess shows up, we were very deep in the MacArthur zone. So yeah. we are very familiar with what like stilted wooden acting sounds like. So Burgess married this like very naturalistic way of acting. Like he has like those stammers and mm-hmm. he he he'll say words multiple times and stop. And yeah, pause. he like tries to make the performance interesting. Yeah. And even though he's kind of a campy actor too in a lot of ways. Right. But uh, like Tony Curtis is campy and like the wrong way whereas he's, he's campy in a good way where he's like saying he has like randomly has quips like constantly yeah in like the most inappropriate places so the performance is not great special effects the space room dude not the space room was cool I mean it didn't look real but no. it was cool um I would say it was kind of cool when the um the dwarf that was playing Miss Kamis Miss Kamakis there were two different ones yeah I like them both up Oh, in the... As I was looking at the name. Miss Kamakis? Yeah. Uh, when Miss Kamakis was emerging from Karen's back out of the... Uh, sort of, yeah, the back placenta. Yeah. That was cool. I mean, that was legitimate. In the... That and, like, some of the stuff with her in the bed, I think... When did The Exorcist come out? It was sort of Exorcist. Oh, you know what was really good? Exorcist. The room, the shaking room. Yeah, that was cool. The shaking room was very good. So, at one point... There was, what is, they said, what an earthquake, they're like, no, it's Building Man 2 or, mm-hmm. or something stupid like that. Yeah, the Building Man No, no, it's because he was summoning the Great One. Right, right, right. Right, so the, like, the room was shaking, but it was shaking in this very like rubbery, like, yeah, the, it looked like the floor was bending and all the rooms were like, it became very non-square looking. The earthquake effect was pretty cool, the, practice, the visual effect there. Yeah. Like or whatever it, you call it. The... It was disorienting because I wasn't, it wasn't just like a room was shaking, it was like, yeah, the walls and the floors were like bending in right. at weird angles. The center, it was like someone had tried to draw it like on from a different, like a Picasso perspective. Yeah, it was like the room was made of like weird, like a weird malleable mm. material because they're just kind of like bending up and down and like in and out and everything, rather than just kind of shaking around. It was very, honestly, that was very cool. Um, so the extras, extras came out in '73, so I would say it's probably it's pretty clear that they were at least trying to refer to the extras to some of those scenes with the Karen in the bed. Right, just the and the, yeah, that's the same sort of. It's got a very cheap, cheapened version of that sort of horror. Yeah, especially since like, so the movie uh, inexplicably, after it ends, this is sort of the kind of thing you would expect to see at the end, beginning of a movie, I guess. Right. Yes. Exactly. But like before the credits started, just like fact, <laughs> a boy in Tokyo once had a growth on his chest. A person came out of it. Turned out as a fetus. Yeah, and I was like. What? And then just the credits come up right afterwards, <laughs> and this is like over like establishing just like Esta- yeah, like a like establishing a, shots of like the city of San Francisco, like right. yeah, and then like the um, movie had completely ended. Like they already said, like they're like, oh, I'm just a Native American with a bag of tricks, uh, South Dakota Indian, Indian with a bag of tricks. tricks. <laughs> and then he's like, Harry's my name, and Tara's my game. Yeah, they all did their thing, and then that was that. And Karen cried in the corner. Karen didn't appear after the, at the end of the movie, did she? No, no. She, well, she was like, <laughs> after she like was topless shooting lasers, mm. she just kind of cried in his arm. Presumably, would you believe that they got back together, of course? 
They make no chemistry. Yeah, they're. Yeah. Uh, Tony Curtis would have been, uh, let's see, he was 25, so he would have been 50 something. 53? Yeah. Right? If he was born in 25, 78. Yeah. So, I don't know how old Karen was supposed to be, but she was not 53. No. But hey, he's a charismatic cowboy dealer. Yeah, I mean, he's not. He's a good-looking guy. I think he's definitely past his prime in he had 78. The, the, the main picture you should look when you search when you says, when you search Tony Curtis looks much better. There's a one from back when he was a, a young man playing yeah. like Houdini, and he's married to Jason Lee and all that. Oh, you know who you know who I know him from? He's the father of Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah. Stupid. I should have known that. Jamie Lee Curtis is a much better actor than her father. <laughs> wow. wow. Just going to go ahead and say that. Oh, wow. The way they just, like... Yeah, it's true. I mean, that's just the way it is. Right. He also has a very, he also has a very good robe. Yes, he's got a great... Like, astrology robe, basically. It's like a cheap wizard's robe, almost, but with just, like, all the different astrology symbols around the neck. Mm-hmm. That when you first see him, not only do you not realize the robe... But I think we both saw this when we were like, is that like an emerald jacket? I think it's too, something to do with like his mustache and his, 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 the shape of his face. He just yeah. naturally sort of like went, oh, Navy captain. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> Why is this Navy captain reading tarot? But you, when you, you realize that he's got like just sort of like crudely drawn astrological it's, it's symbols. Like Sagittarius. Like, like sort of sewn into the like blue robe that he's wearing. So, yeah. It's just Special kind of... I, that was a great scene. The scene where he like throws his robe off. He's like, "Daddy's home," and he turns on the <laughs> funk music. He sloppily pours himself a beer, spilling <laughs> spilling it everywhere. Yes. And then he just like kicks back in his easy chair, like tapping his foot to the funk music. You know, says how he was fish. Yeah. In his gas tank. And then you know the phone rings. He's gonna like turn his funk off and like he's blah like, blah. Karen, you what are you calling about? Oh, weird growth on your back. That's probably not me in American Spirit or anything. Don't worry about it. Probably just a tumor. Unless you cut it out. Oh, you missed it because you look away for one second. But when they are, some when they are summoning the Manitou of the computers, the mm. doctor explodes. Uh, I don't know if I buy no, that. Like, percent, like as all the computers are going haywire and like you're getting overclocked, he explodes like the lightning well, on his computer. He probably deserved it for being an Shoot. arrogant non non for not being an administrator. Well, no, yeah, well, what? Maybe that would. By turning on all the computers, wasn't he doing what he promised he would never do? Administration work. <laughs> yeah. And isn't it isn't it strange that as they are leaving the hospital, at the very end, they're leaving this house as administration. Think about it. As the ghost of the doctor, raging, it's like Jacob Marley esque, raging against his chains that he forged in life. <laughs> There's a lot of like weird, unnecessary callbacks. To this movie. Yeah, I mean, it's sort of instead of. Um, like moving the characters forward through any sort of arc or or establishing any sort of relationship, they just sort of uh, occasionally shout at each other and then refer back to things they said earlier. Yes. It's really it's masterful sort of avoidance of having to do any of the work of storytelling. I like when they shout at each other because they do this very like sixty or like fifties and seventies. Now you listen to me here. Yeah. But, now I'm talking. Now I'm talking. Like that line, I think I got it. But that's vaguely the line that they oh, they say a lot back then. Now you listen here, <laughs> yeah. as they're pointing at stern old men pointing at each other, yet saying that, and they both say it to each other because mm-hmm. they want the other one to be here and to listen to them at this immediate point. So they cover all the okay. Who Manitou? Who's the who? Miskamakis. Why? Get revenge. Where? The Karen's back. When? Right now. Why did I say that? Who? What? Why? Oh, I stopped listening. Why? Because the manifest is, of course. Yeah, 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 yeah. So we answered all our important journalistic questions. That was that was a Manitou. That was a Manitou. Um. Now, but now the Manitou's done. Now we've kind of like brushed off the Manitou. <clears throat> we it's time to return to our favorite segment that we always do every week, which is Universal. Where are they now? Uh, Dracula, let's do Dracula today. No, we're doing this. As we all know, We what we prefer to do now is we like to take the traditional universal monsters mm-hmm. and transplant them onto the modern slashers and see what their analogs were. 
and see how they translate it into this modern era. Mm-hmm. And now we're up to the Wolfman. Ah, the Wolfman. The Wolfman. Which one? One which we technically did not cover in our personal coverage. We haven't covered it. Yeah, we but, could we could do the Wolfman sometime, but. But it's not very good. But this exactly. But I mean, this segment's already hit Dracula and Frankenstein, yeah. the big ones. So the Wolfman. Who would you think the Wolfman is within our modern slasher canon? Oh, like is, if he's like Jason or whatever. Yeah, yeah. That's. I mean, you you got confused every time we do this, but yes, that's how it goes. I just. I'm sorry. It's just like the floor is constantly moving underneath <laughs> me. It's like, am I in a weird pitch for scare package or? That wasn't a pitch. I was an ad earlier. Please don't disrespect our advertisers. Yeah, I won't. But disrespect our advertisers. No, this was like. Remember how we we just we ultimately decided that the Dracula Dracula is now you know. Go on. What did we decide? <laughs> he's the candy man. Ha, ah, the Candyman can. Because of like his cloak and his general sense of menace. Mm-hmm. The way he was a um, sort of a... The, bee, the bees were kind of like bats. Yeah, the bees were kind of like bats. And the way, you know, like, you know, Frankenstein transitioned very easily into someone like Jason Voorhees. You know, they're both big and lumbering. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Misunderstood? So I think, I think that the Wolfman is maniac cop. Okay, yeah. Which has a big chin. Like the Wolfman, <laughs> and and he comes out at night, like the Wolfman. Yep, they will come out at night. I don't know if the Maniac Cop kills anyone during the day. I don't I remember so. that that well. So. Could do. He could. They're both kind of hairy. No. You know, talk to me how I <laughs> like. <laughs> I'm trying to help you, Casey. <laughs> I mean, I agree with you wholeheartedly, 100. percent I yeah. was thinking Maniac Cop ever before I even got in this podcast. Mm-hmm, yeah. mm-hmm. You were just thinking Maniac Cop. Just <laughs> <laughs> driving down the street. Maniac Cop. <laughs> Maniac Cop? And then you went back to your regular business of... Wolfman. <laughs> I have it scrawled on the fog of my window. Wolfman equals Maniac Cop? Mm-hmm. Question mark? Oh, you were thinking that. I thought you were just thinking Maniac Cop. No, no, no. I was like, thinking free of any uh, encumbrance. Just Maniac. No, because I knew the segment was coming up, so I wanted to be prepared in advance. So there we go. I mean, do you have any last closing statements on the mansion? I don't think I do. I think I've covered my sort of um, passionate ambivalence towards it. <laughs> is that what, is that what your um, back to the bo- back of the box quote would be? Map and lock up passionate ambivalence. Yeah, I mean, I, I you know, I think uh, a certain kind of person knows they might like the mana too. Then they should watch it and like the mana too. I think everyone else probably don't even bother. Nope, don't waste your time. You'd be like, this is. If you look to yourself and there's a question, I'm confused, this doesn't make sense, what's going on in this movie? If that kind of shit bothers you, then don't see this movie. If that kind of shit makes you happy, yeah. I mean, watch it, this movie. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, I don't know what movie we're going to do next. I'm not sure. I would say we keep in this milieu for a little. Yep, we can definitely do that. Um, I just, uh, so if you have any suggestions of a movie between before 1980, you can. Uh, Send me a message on Twitter at the Water Method or Andrew at Pizza Pranks, or you can email um, us at Matt at GoldenAgeHorror.com. Um, and I believe we also have a voicemail. Let me get that number for you. Oh, okay. I thought you said I thought you were saying thought that we had one. Five zero eight eight one seven three four zero eight is a voicemail box. Is that translated to anything? No. It's just a random one they assigned to me. No, five, it's not like 508-817. We could sort of go through some, some hoops and jumps and try to get it to... Uh... Can we get... Well, that can be your... Well, I, I'll pick out a movie. 508 blood And you... No, I don't know. And you... Blood is, I think, two not enough letters, right? Yeah, I think it's one short. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. 508-81 blood. <laughs> Perfect. Blood 1-8. Blood 1-8. Eight. Blood one. Eight blood one. One blood one. Eight. <laughs> one blood one. Um, yeah, so I, I, like I said, I, I'll take any suggestions. I think we've got a couple actually, but I don't know how available those movies are, how much we'll like feel like tingler. watching. How much we'll feel like watching The Tingler. Um, Especially if we don't have a tingle yeah. available. Yeah, because maybe we could rig something up, some kind of homemade uh, electric shock system. We could just tingle each other. <laughs> no, thank you. At the appropriate time. How do you know when you're supposed to get tingled? Does it, if you put the closed caption, does it say tingle now? Yeah, it says um, uh, dreamy tingling. 
Oh, those are fun. We had the closed captions at first, and there's a lot of like. This there's a lot. It turns out there's a lot of ways you can describe orchestral music, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. whether it be suspenseful or dramatic or dreamy. Yeah, I uh, I usually watch movies with the closed captions on. Yeah. You? Oh, I watch almost everything. Or with you just that? No, I almost always do. I okay. have the volume on the television very low, and I watch with closed captions. So. Oh, okay. I just hate sound design. I find it disgusting. <laughs> well, people movie... who record and record, um, who speak out loud, or yeah, this movie for you if you hate sound design. <laughs> Why? Because of all the dreamy orchestral music. Um, they, they typed in. They went to the repository. They're like, oh, they went to the library and said, seventies music, please." So Andrew makes games uh, at pizzapranks.itch.io. You can find his stuff. Do you have anything to to promote recently? Recently? Um, No. I think all my stuff will be done by the time it comes out. Okay. Okay. My appearances. Yeah. 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 uh, Yeah. Okay. But I meant any more interesting, uh, any interesting games or anything to promote. I put a zine out. Okay. um, First half of the zine is the Seinfeld role-playing game. Okay. The back half of the zine is a bunch of parlor games. That's cool. That's that's excellent. It's available. You gotta pay for it because I'm not a fucking scrub. Pizza pranks I assume yeah, it's available there. Um, actually, I think uh, within the next couple of weeks we'll have a live play of the Seinfeld role playing game out on ActualPlay.network. Oh, look at this brand synergy. Yeah, it is. A, I mean, unintentional, but here it is, and I'll uh, I'll uh, I don't know. I guess I'll post on the Facebook page when that comes out. Oh, I guess so. Look at all that brand interaction. Yeah, I will. I mean, might as well. Gotta get on that hustle somehow. I'm not really hustling this, but <laughs> I mean, clearly this is a labor of love and not of a uh, of hustle. Of hustle, yeah. This is not. This is not a side gig. This is just a thing I do. You can hustle. Thing love. we do. You can hustle love. Yeah, I suppose. But yeah, that that does make me uh, want to bring up our other podcast, Actual Play Network. Oh, good. Um, are we in a boardroom with all this I can't tell because there's so much yeah. synergy everywhere I feel like a real Navy captain right now I, gotta, uh, I feel like I'm like khaki just trying to crawl away under my body and you start pouring, and you start powerpointing at things you know I've never made a powerpoint I would advise against it never I mean I have I guess I may probably made one when I was in high school but never had to since I don't like making them <laughs> so what are you saying um, what actual play? Yeah, um, the, network. If you're a person who likes to listen to people play role playing games, which is a lot of people, as it turns out. Yeah, way more than I would have thought. Maybe much, five years ago. It's much trendier. Yeah, we. I mean, yeah, much trendier than I ever thought. We have a actual play network. We play. Um, if you, have you listened to all the famous and popular actual plays? <laughs> and thought I've got to listen. There's still not enough. Yeah, ours is ours is. I would say uh, medium sound quality and production. We are not. I've listened to some with zero, like production value. Right. Ours is has some. I think there's 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 some a fair amount of editing going on. Yeah. And uh, there's usually some sound effects and I'm stuff. I'm a savage editor. First one. Savage editor. Um, so we play. I mean, we've played games like Call of Cthulhu and Vampire. Those are uh, horror games. Scary ones. Yeah. Scary games. Scary if you're games. a scary man, scary game man. I think those games scary have, game person. have a lot of overlap between people. Bad, yeah. Scary game person. Don't gender. Oh, I didn't do that. I'm just a big fucking moron. Um, I think it's just good. Pra- I think it's just good practice. We're doing it. Yeah, you're right. I was being sincere. I am a big fucking moron. Yeah, um, <laughs> I know that. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm just gonna put this out there. We don't have any five star reviews on iTunes. Uh, you know what you should do. Wake up in the middle of the night crying about that. No, no. Yes, and then the only way to, to like calm those tears is to go to iTunes and give us a five star review. You know what I bet other people probably do? Because I don't wake up in the middle of the night doing it. I've, I'm fine, but you, you listener, are probably waking up in the middle of the night crying, and you don't know why. And the reason for that is because you're not giving us five-star reviews. So if you're at home crying uncontrollably all day, every day, to the point where you're like on the verge of dehydration, that's the solution. You just need to go to, look at, type Golden Age Horror into the internet, go on iTunes, rate it five stars, and say, thank you, this stopped me from crying uncontrollably all day, every day. Now I can finally live my life again. Yeah, definitely. That's all definitely true. Um, yeah, uh, what was I going to say? I was just thinking, like, you know what other people probably do? They probably go on, like, Facebook and be like, hey, can you all leave a five-star review for my podcast? They probably do that. I thought you were going to say, go on and read through my podcast five stars. Can you do that? I don't think I can. You probably could. I probably could. But I um, I haven't. I think it's probably because my account 
is like the link that you know what i mean but friends and family are free to go yeah there's no there's nothing in the rule book that says friends and family can't they might be something in the rule book but (laughs) no one read the rule book the rule book's way too long let's be honest it's like two thousand pages of tiny little little text you know in the rule book says a dog can't read your podcast five stars hey get your dogs read podcast five stars get Mm -hmm. get your dog an itunes you know your dog probably already has has an itunes account so have him log on yeah i mean to be honest uh all several of my dogs walked through and you probably heard them Clattering or honking, especially through the first part of this episode. Yeah. So they're all going to go right to the podcast after this as penance. Five stars? Yeah. Five, well, I hope so. <laughs> I'm not going to be telling them what to rate it. But I mean, honestly, like, just out of love and loyalty, I feel like they should give it five stars. I mean, a dog, I, they're not cats, so they probably would rate it five stars. Yeah. Yeah, cats, I'm not sure about that. They, they tend to be, like, very particular and, like, picky about that. Like, yeah. They tend to prefer to rate things honestly. Well, I think, I think like, Frankie was really into the um, the Vincent Price series that we did. Oh, yeah. But he dropped off when we started doing foreign horror movies. Yeah, he was like... Whereas, like, Belle was, like, super. She's like, I only want to hear about Japanese horror movies from 1955 to 1962. Yeah. So it's been... You know, it's hard to please everybody, I guess, is it what is, I'm trying to is. say. But now, now we'll move back. Frankie, I think Frankie was, like, started perking up a lot during the Yeah, the Man of Two is, like, much more Frankie's deal. <laughs> he was, like... He can't see really, but he can smell the bad acting. Mm-hmm. And he's mm-hmm. like, "Why uh, smells like ham in the room right now?" <laughs> Dude loves ham. <laughs> he loves it. Keeps him going. Anyway, um, yeah. So that's all the words I usually say. I've said them all. You don't have any more. And now words? I'm done. All right. So <laughs> <laughs> in the future, look. Next episode, look forward to something. Yeah, I think we'll probably do something sort of uh, campy. Yeah. Something sort of fun. Something sort of... Loosey-goosey. Get the energy back. Get the... Wrinkle up. Undo the old bones. Although, uh, you know... Kind of like that one dancing skeleton in that one, like, Vincent Price movie. That was scary. Where he pretended he was dead and he brought a skeleton and the skeleton was, like, dancing around. Could be like that, yeah. Um, that's how that's our skeletons loosening up I am going to look at the Criterion channel and see what other movies might qualify there because <laughs> I'm paying 10 bucks for that sucker and I want to use it yeah I want to use it too so that's all Criterion's going to get from me unless you pay me motherfucker <laughs> yeah it's, it's yeah that's yeah well put <laughs> <sighs> and that's that folks uh,